from Baltimore, Maryland, this is The Stoop Sessions, a One Hope podcast. Join us for conversations about ministry on The Stoop. Learn more about our work at www.onehope.gives. Welcome back to The Stoop Sessions. The Stoop Sessions. How many times can we say Stoop Sessions in one 30-second segment? <laughs> let's, let's, let's try that later. So uh, today we're talking about something that is really a difficult topic that none of us are experts on, uh, but we have experience with, unfortunately, I would say, and that is the topic of addiction. Um, I personally hate drug addiction. Can I just go on the record and say that as we begin? I feel like we should cue Thistle's like, crack, I hate you, like playing in the background. Mm. It's good. (laughs) But that's how I feel about it. I used to listen to his album and think, oh, this intensity, we should hate sin. But now I think at living here and seeing how addiction has just wrecked so much makes me realize the intensity of the hate that I have for for drugs. I feel like a D.A.R.E. proponent now. I'm like a D.A.R.E. supporter. Remember D.A.R.E.? We'll get back to the subject at hand. I also hate addiction. For me, it kind of hits different. Just because of you know seeing my dad struggle with addiction, so yeah, yeah, I hate it. There's a article that I read talking about addiction as continual relapse, and I think that's an interesting way to put it. Uh, I I have friends, and we've got even church members who continue to struggle with addiction in various ways, and in some ways, it is a continual relapse uh, for so many who are trying to, you know, this is it, this is the last time, and then it's not the last time, and they continue to use. Uh, As we get rolling here with this episode, it's probably good to recognize what we're talking about, and that's substance abuse. You know, addiction is kind of used for everything now. We could be addicted to coffee or addicted to something more serious like pornography, which I I think can be an addiction for sure. Uh, But what we're talking about here is a substance addiction, using substances to alter our minds and becoming addicted to that mind-altering substance. Uh, And it's not theoretical. You know, for many people, this is very personal. Uh, This is filled with pain. It's hard to even, uh, for for some people, maybe even listen to these episodes without just thinking of their loved ones, uh, friends, family members who are suffering from addiction. So as we're using terms, um, you you might hear us um, refer to drug addicts as addicts. Um, We mean that in the most... uh, respectful way possible. We just, when we when you hear the term addict, we're saying we're referencing someone who's addicted to drugs. So we're not trying to dehumanize um, those that are addicted to drugs because we believe that everyone has worth, everyone has been created in the image of God. That's right. That's a good point. That's a good point. And that's the starting point with understanding these are humans and souls. Yeah. And, and also I think, you know, for somebody who doesn't have friends or family members who, who are addicted in some fashion, it is easy to dehumanize. Uh, just last week, uh, there's some addicts who come to a certain block in the neighborhood and, and one of our church members heard their neighbor refer to them as half humans. And, you know, when you see somebody coming up in this stupor, almost as a robot, getting their drugs, it is so easy to dehumanize them and just see them as half human. And it's not until you see them off drugs that you realize, oh, wow, this is, <laughs> this is a regular individual, a human who I actually love, 
or or could love if I got to know them and they are just messed up with yeah. with these drugs. Yeah, and when you you look at uh, they didn't just fall into addiction necessarily. There are always factors. There's, There's a story behind it. Exactly. Mental, physical, and so I think we are coming from that that place. So, what is addiction? To me, I think the first thing that comes to mind is is just like bondage, mm. being like overpowered by a particular substance and just being a slave to that substance. Yeah. Yes. Initially the words that pop into my mind is being mastered by something. Um, And, and I would almost say in in a robotic way, because a lot of individuals who are mastered by substance abuse would never think that they're slaves. They think that they're directing um, it, but on the outside family and friends and counselors and pastors say it looks like something's mastering you. You're, you're operating um, for a master, and we know that substance abuse is a horrible master. Yeah, and when we think about slavery uh, as a sort of meta narrative for uh, addiction, it does lead us into some different uh, language that's used today, which actually may not be helpful, such as uh, addiction is a disease or addiction is uh, a chronic illness, um, as if I have no control in it, as if I have no say in the matter. I think I got this from Robert Jones, who frames addiction, and maybe he was quoting Ed Welch, I'm not sure, but he frames addiction as both slavery, involuntary slavery, and willful rebellion. So there is a sense in which the addict is in willful rebellion. You know, maybe when they get into that mode of like, I'm just buying drugs, just keeping the high going. I'm, you know, there's a, a robotic tendency to that that uh, is much more slavery than willful rebellion. But at least you could say that very first use uh, and the continual use of it, there is a willful rebellion in that. Yeah, and I think when you bring up uh, the fact that it's not a disease, we've seen... Mm-hmm that because we live in a sinful world, there are lots of layers to addiction. So I, I think that initial, um, that initial, I guess, introduction to drugs is, is probably the, the most powerful uh, place that that individual's in because after a while, habit of it, it does affect your body. And so yeah. I do wanna, like, there's a distinction between are there aspects of addiction that affect our body and could say, oh, okay, right. well, Absolutely. now we are more prone to X, Y, and Z. Definitely. But when we address addiction as simply medical model, it is dangerous. And we're seeing that that's dangerous. Why is it dangerous? Because there's no hope for that. Um, We don't want to make robots who no longer um, use, but they're robots. No, we want to show people you're an embodied person, mind, body, soul. And so that's why it's helpful to not just rely on that definition. So I think Jesus would agree with Ed Welch's definition that that addiction is both slavery and rebellion. So listen to what he says in John chapter 8, verse 34. says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Mm. So That's right. You, you see that the one who practices sin is a slave to us. So they're making... You're practicing addict, it. It's willful. Exactly. Yep, you're making a choice, your own volition. Right. But yet, and you practice in the sin, like you become a slave right. to it. Yeah, and I think something that pops out at me when you say that is even a Romans six kind of a, you know, these are these are fruits that we we're not proud of. We they they lead us to death. You know, no addiction 
is ever a good thing because it leads us to death ultimately and it can lead us to some spiritual death and it can it leads us to physical death and we we know um individuals and so you know the the counter of that would be oh fruits that live lead to eternal life which you know trusting in christ so speaking of Romans six we like to read scripture tell me here, about right? it verse 16 chapter <laughs> six do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves you are slaves you are slaves of the one whom you obey either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness So are we in agreement then, the three of us, that while there is a slavery aspect, a bondage aspect to uh, to addiction, and, and also we can talk about, and we're going to talk about, I think more in our next episode, about how addiction does, especially heroin, some drugs, it changes the brain. And it really, there is a physiological aspect to this that needs to be addressed as well. However, it's sinful. Yes. yes. It's sinful. Um using substances to alter our minds is a sin. While sin, you know, we could, we could use disease as a analogy for mm. sin. Yep. Sin is not a medical disease. That's right. Right? Meaning um, the Bible doesn't say that cancer will send you to hell. Exactly. Cancer is a disease. Yeah. Right? MS, MS doesn't send you to MS hell. is a disease. Yeah. AIDS sin is a does. disease. <laughs> but sin is does. what sends us to hell. Yeah. Um, thinking of alcohol, 1 Peter 4, 3 says, drunkenness is what pagans do. Ephesians 5, 18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about that a little bit. Is using any substance a violation of Ephesians 5, 18? Altering our mind as opposed to relying on the Holy Spirit. You know, in my head, I, I not even in my head, I, you know, I've had this conversation with, with friends, and the first thing I, I, you know, usually hear is, well, you know, when are we going to talk about your addiction to, like, spending money? It ain't my addiction. I'm, uh, we, I don't have an addiction to spending money. Sure, and that's um, greed. But greed, that's an issue, that's right. right? I'm just, see, I tried to, make, like, rationalize and justify myself. Maybe I haven't, I wouldn't say it's an addiction, spending money. But they'd say, oh, well, you love coffee. And I'd say, yeah, well... Anything, we should bring everything under the microscope of God's word. So yes, but the caveat is, is it altering my mind in a way that um, keeps me from doing normal, everyday things? You know, that's the argument. And so, yeah, we should bring everything to a microscope, except I do think there should be a focus on substance abuse because of what, what wreckage it does. Right. Yeah. I think anything that we use, if it alters our minds and it um you know like it intoxicates us mm -hmm. that's gonna make us more willing like to sin you're not thinking in your right mind you know you're not under the influence of of the holy spirit but you're under the influence of this particular substance do people actually use coffee as an as a example of individuals that use coffee oftentimes don't want hate coffee for themselves which i'm sad for them, but hate coffee for themselves, and so it's not ever been something. But they, yeah, they. I've, I've had I mean, that argument a lot. People would use coffee as like a one-to-one -one correlation for drugs. Yeah, it's been it's been in my in my history, yeah. which I I, I think it's a that fascinating point, correlation. Yeah, it is. I think, and it is. It's a stretch. Ultimately, yeah. I think we. Um, 
Joe drinks a lot of coffee. I'm just he does. He does, and he'll drink old coffee, y'all. Really, I think I think anybody that would use coffee as an as a correlation, they they've got to know that they're stretching it. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit. That is a stretch. That's a reach. It's a reach. My point with that is. You know it's an addiction where you'll go to great lengths to protect your addiction. Yeah. Like it, yeah. it's nothing that it's not an argument that you'd ever say would hold, but you're like, I will grasp yeah. anything I can to maintain this relationship I have with the yeah. substance. And that's a problem. Yeah, and I think in a in a sense what we're doing there is we're we're saying all addictions are equal. You know, can you be addicted to caffeine? Well, absolutely. Right. Is that Equal is that is that on the same playing field as being addicted to it a uh, another mind altering substance? Yeah. Of course not. Oh, it's the same thing as going to get a donut. And I said, no, it's not. Somebody said it, that. I think donut and then the coffee, or like a diet or a coke or something. And I said, well, we were talking about um, situations that ravish our context. So um, one. Uh, Sugar, huge issue is diet. Alcohol, alcoholism, huge situation. I asked, what else do you think wrecks our, our neighborhood? And um, drugs wasn't on the list. And I said, yeah. or weed wasn't. And I said, well, it should be. It yeah. does wreck us. Sure. It, 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 it mutes our pain. And pain is hard yeah. to deal with. We need to be more comfortable as Christians with the language of lament because all over the Bible and we don't know how to suffer well. And so that's why when it comes, we have to find something else to appease that. And so, yeah, uh, any kind of addiction, pr- primarily, you know, with weed, with substance abuse, with alcohol, with drugs, with heroin, they wreck not only the person, but the community around. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, the community around them can be the very thing that helps point people towards redemptive hope. Um, particularly if it's a gospel-believing community. That's right. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes the, uh, well, what about coffee or what about donuts? What about heart disease? You know, that can be a diversion of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's talk about the person who's eating too many donuts and we need to sit down with them and talk about that and talk about their, their sugar intake. And if they say, well, when are we going to talk about weed? Well, we're talking about donuts right now. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like you, you're, you're like we've got to we got to be able to talk about yeah. what we're talking about yeah, and not divert. That's right. Exactly, not divert to another conversation. It's what it is. Every addict, whether you're addicted to sugar or or heroin, you're gonna want to divert the conversation away yeah. from your love. Don't talk about my precious. Don't talk about my friend. I need this. That's right. And that's the that, first step to to, to to healing. Let's talk about yeah. it. To actually Go. admit, like, hey. And look, this could be talking about how. The fact, you know, the fact that you're having four shots of brandy before you fall asleep every night. And I say, let's talk about it with humility. You know, uh, hitting rock bottom, that takes so much humility to say, I think I'm at my wit's end, actually. I think I need to be seen for what I am right now, and I need help. You know, some individuals say, I'm not not that bad, I only do. If you hear words like that, that is already justification. Christians know the language of being in bondage. Had Christ not come, we would not be free. But he has. And so he's getting into all our business. He saves our whole self, every aspect. And one is, you know, dealing with addiction. So I think it has to come with a spirit of humility that says, maybe I don't know what help looks like, but I need it. Yeah. I need it. And that's God's grace. Yeah. Because it's no way somebody can come 
to that realization without like God moving on their hearts. Because they're, they're so far gone down that path. So when we think of Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's get at the heart of what we're talking about here. And that is that God wants us to be reliant on the Holy Spirit. He wants us to rely on on Him. And so then anything that would uh, be, be, you know, a substance that we would use to alter our mind in such a way that we don't have to deal with reality. And I think reality is the issue here. God wants us to have two feet on the ground. He wants us to feel reality. He wants us to live in this world that he created. He wants us to experience the pain and the suffering of sin. And so if we use something then to dull or to mute all of that pain and suffering, uh, it, what it does is it, it, it's, it no longer, uh, we're no longer in a place where we are relying on God and his provision, but we're relying on what this substance can do for us. And I think that's the issue here. When we rely on that substance, that then becomes master. And, you know, the Bible is very clear about we can't serve two masters. Yeah. Right. The, the brokenness that... The, the pain that we experience living in this broken and fallen world, those things should lead us to the one who created the world, to God. Right. Yeah, and we see that example in the fact that Christ did not take any shortcuts to experiencing pain. Not at all. You know, if we were called to a master who um, had no idea about the suffering of the world, and, you know, maybe that would be a rebuttal. I mean, we still couldn't bring that before God, but just perhaps if we did. But we serve a Savior who did not take shortcuts. And so he felt that pain and experience that he wept, he suffered. And that shows us that his goal for us is not to um, quiet that pain, but mm-hmm. to, to very well see the existence of it. And I think what happens with substance abuse is it blinds us from the reality that God's word is true. We have fallen. We live in a sinful world. Our minds and our bodies are affected by that. We're in broken families. We see broken things in every um, every day. And so just like Eric was saying, uh, we would see no hope in Christ if we had no ability to feel the pain, um, to see the scars, to see, you know, um, the effects of that. And so it, it's important to be sober-minded, feet on the ground. That's right. Yeah, we're shaped by pain, aren't we? We're shaped by suffering. It's it's what grows us. Uh, the the person who uses uh, substances to mute those feelings is somebody who actually stunts their own spiritual growth. And you know, you can see uh, evidence in somebody who's been using for most of their adult life that there's uh, there can be even an immaturity in the way that they think because they really just have had no opportunity to grow because it is through hardship and tribulation that we grow. And so suffering, pain, hardship, tribulation are not bad. They're, they're for our good. They suck. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. That's make right. sure we make that That's distinction. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Like I, throwing, I don't want to suffer. Yeah. We're not saying to go out and inflict yourself with pain. Right. Right. I mean, like we're not like just throwing Romans eight twenty eight so we can just run in and, you know, like, well, I know that who he predestined, he foreknew and uh, conformed to the image of something. We're not just jumping into trials. We're not running with James. Yeah. Like, give me more trials that I might count it all joy. Like, no. But 
it is in that is the the way that the Lord teaches us. In our trials, we do kind of joy because we recognize that we're growing as a result of these trials. And so then using a substance then to mute the suffering, to mute the pain, and even to mute the guilt of our sin, then it's just going to keep us from the growth that God has that God has for us. Yeah. And it, it's interesting, never once, you know, as I've lived with and um, learned from um, individuals who have struggled with addiction and given into addiction, never once have they ever said, man, I really wish I would have used one more time. Mm. It's oftentimes they, they regret that the regret is, I wish I would have clinged to the Lord quicker and more often because the stuff didn't fix it. You know, I'm left hating myself, not thinking rightfully, doing things that I'm incredibly ashamed about. And I wish I would have run to Christ sooner. And so that is the name that, that is the joy of obedience in that yeah. way. And so uh, the struggle's hard for sure, yeah. but um, following Christ is definitely worth it and better for us. Listen to what the apostle Paul says, second Corinthians chapter four, verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. This light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Mm. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's right. All right, Elder Swole, just leading us. Just, just trying to no, let, let no. the scriptures talk. Live in light of what you, what you got. Yeah, so this momentary affliction is for our good. It is. Sometimes I think of uh, all of the conversion stories of Christians, and uh, so often what has led to somebody's conversion is tribulation. It's the dark, dark night. It's, it's uh, sleepless nights where they're just filled with anxieties and worries and the, the troubles of the world. And that leads them that, then to this place of heavy guilt and despair and depression. And that leads them ultimately to look to Christ. And you, you know what I'm talking yep, about? Like so exactly. many conversion stories. Yeah. And then I think like, man, what if they were doped up? Like what if they were using something to get through the night? What if they were using something to just self-medicate the, the guilt and the pain yeah. and the fears and the, the depression? I think I've shared this with both of you in the past, but I think that was a part of like my conversion story. You know, like when my dad passed away, like that really hurt. Yeah. And I feel like God used that to kind of, you know, like get my attention and ultimately lead me to, to him. Eric's story um, is making me think we haven't even addressed some of the reasons why people fall into addiction. I think um, there, it depends on whatever narrative or what you're reading, you know, and how we can sometimes dehuman, dehumanize individuals. Um, there are reasons. I mean, fear uh, is one reason people fall into addiction. Shame, incredible shame from either things done to them or things that they've seen. Um, there there can be a great amount of even disbelief. You know, ultimately, does God even care about me? It is helpful, obviously coming from a counseling background, to consider, you know, what are some of the reasons why somebody might fall into addiction? Another thing is idle time. Yep. You know, you brought up Ephesians 5, and I think the days are evil. Why we, we, we need to consider how we spend 
um, our time, what we spend it on. And that is why we should be filled with the Holy Spirit and not filled with other other substances. Yeah, we, I think it often begins with pain, doesn't it? It, it mm-hmm. begins with just not, I don't like the way I feel right now. And so the use for the first time, and you know, it could be that first use is sort of like a, you know, I don't know if I like this. Uh, I don't know if I want this. But then it quickly turns into, I like this. Uh, this is my friend. And then that often leads to what? I need this. Yeah. I've got to have this. And so here we have this willful rebellion turning into voluntary slavery. The, uh, the willful rebellion side of it says, I'm planning, I'm strategizing, I'm manipulating, yep. I'm premeditating. But as a slave, the addict says, I can't help it. It's, it's, uh, it's against my own will. I want to stop, but I can't. I'm out of control. I'm, I'm controlled. Makes you think David Dunham in his book, Addictive Habits, Changing for Good, sets the, the stage at it's, it's kingdom alliances. It's, it's an allegiance to one kingdom or another. And Eric brought up how you can't serve two masters, and that's exactly what it is. It goes from, even Joe, I'll go a little further from like, I need this to, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do in order to get this and keep this. And so that is the overall, I think, definition of addiction. In the book of Proverbs, there is this story of two ladies, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. And uh, Lady Folly is calling your name. Um, She's wooing you. Uh, She is attractive. She's got a a house with stolen water in it. And as you guys know, stolen water tastes sweeter. It does. Tastes cold. Wooing people into her home. We don't we don't steal water though. We we pay for our water. We do pay right? for our water. Well Lady Folly steals it. And and <laughs> she she tells you, Eric, that it tastes better. But she's wooing us, she's wooing you into into her home and she offers a quick fix, she offers instant gratification. And uh, what she doesn't tell you is that underneath the floorboards are dead bodies. Uh, her house is a house of death. And this is the this is the pathway that addicts are following the other side of the street down another road is lady wisdom she's also calling you she's also wooing you and beckoning you and she knows you she knows your name she's trying to get you to go but her house is simple though isn't it she's got a simple house it's simple she's calling for you that for sure yeah she's in the street she's available her food looks simple yeah because water that you've paid for is not as sweet still cold Still cold. Not as sweet. It might might not be as appealing. Yeah, it might be. She actually offers zero instant gratification. The road to her house is filled with suffering. It's rocky. It's hard. But she's going to walk with you. That's right. And coming out of her house is is life. People live there. Uh, People are healthy there. They're happy there. They're, They're laughing for years and years to come in her house. It's, it really is the, the true party over there. It's not the quick fix party that Lady Folly offers. It's something so much better. Just even thinking about the house, there's no buried bodies there. There's only redeemed bodies who are worshiping, mm, on, <laughs> worshiping uh, their savior and king. And that, that is, it is a good place. It's a good place. And that's what we, we long for. And that's what we, we can promise people. That's right. That's found mm. in in Christ. And so uh, it's so good that you are able to say folly happens quickly. 
wisdom, well, that takes work. You know, as, as humans, we all long for, you know, satisfaction, right? We want happiness. And that is only found in Jesus Christ. You know, to, to the addict, they think that um, that, that drug is going to produce, you know, the satisfaction, the happiness that they're looking for, right? And as humans, we all want those things. We yearn for those things. But our souls were made for eternity. And only God, the eternal God, can satisfy to give us the satisfaction that, that we need. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there's hope. Why is there hope, Joel? Because, you, know, you know, you've heard hope just seems like something that you get at the end of whatever the end of. But what, <laughs> what, what does it mean for right now? Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with What'd light. You do? What'd my you chains do? fell right. off. My heart was free. I rose, hey. went forth, and followed thee. Sure. There's hope because Christ sets us free. There is slavery. We're talking about bondage here. That's right. But but Christ sets the prisoner. Free. And as we look to Christ, I think of 2 Corinthians 3.18, which tells us that as we look to Christ, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. There's hope for the addict because the person in bondage can be set free by Jesus Christ. Let me, let me put it this way. If, if bondage was all there was, there would be zero hope for the addict. There would never be a point where an addict says, I'm done. I need to change. Right? Why is it that someone could get to that point? It's because of the hope that we have in Christ, that God could lead somebody to that, that moment of crying out for some help. As Christians, as professionals, as medical professionals, as we're all working together on this, when somebody gets to that point of, I'm ready to change, I need some help, that's where we can step in. How then do we help that person take the next step. What is the next step? That's what we're going to talk about in the next episode. Thanks for listening to The Stoop Session. Be sure to catch us next time. As One Hope exists to build healthy churches in the inner city, check us out and connect at www.onehope.gives.